Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Breaking news just coming in, the travel mask mandate lifted. The big news that you won't need to wear your mask on a plane, train, or other public transportation. This after a judge's shocking ruling. Mask confusion at airports after the surprising order. But in one of America's largest cities, an indoor mask mandate is reinstated. What it means for you. Russia's new attack. Tonight, Ukrainian President Zelensky announces Putin's forces have launched a new offensive after missiles struck and killed seven in Lviv, a city close to the Polish border. Cyber threats on the homeland. The new interview from 60 Minutes. Could Russia blow up an oil refinery in the U.S.? Gun violence across America. The bloody weekend with three mass shootings leave two dead and dozens injured. What's leading to the rise in violence? Severe weather threat. April nor'easter brings rain, high winds, and possibly 10 inches of snow to Pennsylvania and New York. Tonight, the treacherous travel conditions. But the chilly weather didn't stop the return of the White House Easter egg roll. New deadly ride report. Tonight, the results of the investigation about what led to a 14-year-old sliding out of a harness and falling to his death. And running for history, how women changed the Boston Marathon. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us as we start a new week together. Well, tonight we've got some breaking news for the first time in more than a year. The travel mask mandate is not in effect. That means that the TSA will not enforce the rule at airports and other transportation hubs. Now, the news comes after a federal judge in Florida today ruled that the CDC exceeded its authority and failed to follow proper rulemaking. The question now is whether the federal government will appeal that judge's decision. Also, the Association of Flight Attendants is weighing in tonight, urging calm from passengers, saying it usually takes 24 to 48 hours to implement new procedures. Now, the CDC's 
still recommends masks for all travelers. Now, all this comes as COVID-19 cases are once again on the rise, driven by the BA2 subvariant. CBS's Nikki Batiste is going to start us off from Philadelphia, where an indoor mask mandate was just reinstated. There's a lot to get news to get to. Good evening, Nikki. Nora, good evening. We are just getting some clarity from the administration about that judge's ruling today, saying they are reviewing the judge's order, but that for now, the TSA will not enforce the mask mandate on public transportation. Adding to all of this confusion, as you mentioned, there is a new mask mandate here in Philadelphia that took effect today. That means about 20,000 fans heading into this 76ers game tonight will once again have to mask up. You can now fly or ride the buses and trains mask-free. Tonight, the CDC announced its mask mandate on public transportation is no longer in effect and won't be enforced. The move comes just hours after a federal judge in Florida ruled it was unlawful. Today, a U.S. district judge said the court accepts the CDC's argument that masks limit COVID spread, but that alone was not sufficient to exceed the agency's authority. Infectious disease specialist Dr. Celine Gounder says it's still too soon. We don't know how the BA2 variant is going to play out across the country. As of right now, my advice as a physician uh, to anybody traveling on a plane would be to continue wearing a mask uh, when you're traveling on public transportation, including on an airplane. Meanwhile, Philadelphia is the only U.S. city bringing back indoor masks as a precaution. There has been a 67% increase in COVID cases in the last 10 days. That's an average of over 200 COVID cases per day. I think it's a mistake. Philadelphia restaurant owner Yehuda Seichel is concerned the revived mandate will hurt business again. When masks were mandated, people are less inclined to go out to the city specifically. You know, the city, there's a lot of people that live in the city, but really the city thrives off people coming from the suburbs. A group of 22 business owners and residents is suing the city, seeking to overturn the mask mandate. Philadelphia actually did away with, with the CDC guidelines as a standard, and they've invented their own guidelines. They've just, they're making this stuff up. In response to the lawsuit, the city says it has the legal authority. The role of the CDC is really to provide minimum guidelines in terms of what is uh, safe. So a city like Philadelphia can decide to be more aggressive about what they require and other places might choose not to be so aggressive. It is unclear whether airlines will now implement their own mask rules, but the majority of airlines have been asking to drop the mask requirement. And to reiterate what you said, Nora, the CDC is still recommending wearing a mask on public transportation. Nora. Nikki Batiste with all that news. Thank you. Let's turn now overseas where Russia is ramping up its attacks on Ukraine with a barrage of new missile strikes across the country. Most of today's rocket attacks have targeted cities in eastern Ukraine where President Volodymyr Zelensky says the battle for Donbass has begun. CBS's Chris Livesay reports tonight from Kyiv. The next chapter of the war is here. Russian troops have begun the battle for Donbas, says Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. A major development after Russian troops pulled back from Kyiv and turned their attention to the east, setting the stage for major clashes of tanks and heavy artillery unlike anything we've seen since World War II, Ukraine says. But there are no safe havens. Russian airstrikes killed at least seven people, the first known deaths in Lviv, close to the Polish border, and a refuge for those fleeing the fighting. 
in Kharkiv, close to the Russian border, shelling offers no rest for the wounded or the medics there to save them. But nowhere is the terror more total than Mariupol. Die-hard defenders holed up in a steel mill refuse to give up, despite Russia's ultimatum, surrender or die. It's a vindictiveness Ukrainians trace to Russian setbacks like the Moskva. This unverified image appears to show Russia's warship struck by Ukrainian missiles in the Black Sea last week. And Chernihiv, a city that was supposed to mark a swift Russian victory north of Kyiv, but instead a triumph for Ukraine, shooting down this Russian bomber last month. It crashed into this home, killing the owner, but shockingly no more, its payload failing to explode when it landed on a neighbor's doorstep. But elsewhere, the bombs worked. This one killing some 50 people in an apartment block, one of the deadliest single strikes of the war. All of a sudden, I was covered in shattered glass, says Larissa. She takes me into her bunker where these women have been hiding for more than a month. Are you afraid that they're going to come back? The war goes on, she says. We don't know what's waiting for us out there. And tonight, nowhere feels more vulnerable than eastern Ukraine, where fighting is intensifying. President Zelensky said, no matter how many Russian soldiers are brought here, we will fight, we will defend ourselves, and not give up anything that is not Ukrainian. Nora? Chris Livesay in Ukraine, thank you and stay safe. Tonight, there's growing concern about Russian threats here at home. U.S. authorities warn that the Kremlin could launch cyber attacks on American soil. Experts say this could impact everything from public transit to banks to the energy sector. For 60 Minutes, CBS's Bill Whitaker spoke with Dmitry Oparovich, the Moscow-born co-founder of the cybersecurity company CrowdStrike and a member of the Homeland Security Advisory Council. So of all of these things they can do, what is the one that troubles you the most? An attack on the oil and gas industry where they go after the safety systems again and it can cause cascading effects and fires and potentially explosions and people die. It would require a, a, a response from us that, as you were saying, could escalate. It absolutely would. Not just a cyber war, but a real war. It's a real concern, and the reality is that we have seen the Russians in cyberspace do some things that we thought were just nuts, um, that, that were so provocative, so escalatory, that sometimes you look at that and you say, who's controlling these guys? You know, when the United States launches operations, there's an army of lawyers that is going to be approving every step of that operation and asking, are you going to cause any civilian casualties? Are you going to do anything that's disproportionate? They don't have any of that in Russia. And that can lead us down a very dark path. And Bill Whitaker joins us now from New York. That sounds really alarming. And you point out that the Russians have already targeted a refinery in the past, right? Yes, they have, Nora. In 2017, Russian hackers launched a cyber attack against a huge oil refinery in Saudi Arabia that targeted those safety control systems. In this case, the hackers made a small coding mistake, and they ended up shutting down the refinery instead of triggering a deadly explosion. But the experts have told us Russian hackers learn from their mistakes. Yeah, it's really interesting. And do we know, is there any indication that Russians are preparing for a similar cyber attack now? 
Well, just last week, the U.S. government issued a warning about a new piece of malware dubbed Pipe Dream. One cybersecurity expert told us the initial targets are liquefied natural gas and electric power sites in North America. The malware is suspected to be of Russian origin and is far more advanced and versatile than what was used in Saudi Arabia. Nora? Bill Whitaker of 60 Minutes, thank you. Now to the weather, where a rare late-season nor'easter is threatening to bring heavy snow and strong winds from Michigan to New England. Let's bring in meteorologist Chris Warren from our partners at the Weather Channel. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Nora. This is going to be an impactful late season snow for parts of the Northeast with several inches expected, making for a rough morning commute tomorrow for a lot of areas. We're going to see a lot of this snow during the overnight. It's going to be marginal in terms of temperature, so right around the freezing mark, which is going to lead to some of that very heavy and very wet snow that is expected to be falling during the overnight hours tonight and into the day tomorrow before it tapers off. When we look at the snowfall totals, we see that it's possible there could be a foot to a foot and a half for some. And Nora, this very heavy wet snow could lead to downed trees and power outages. Chris, thanks. Well, tonight, police in South Carolina and Pittsburgh are investigating three mass shootings over the weekend that left two teenagers dead and dozens of other people wounded. The shootings are the latest in a wave of violence plaguing America's cities, being fueled by a flood of illegal guns. Here's CBS's Jeff Pegues. The Easter holiday weekend didn't bring peace to America's streets. They got shot. <gasps> In South Carolina, there were two mass shootings. 14 people wounded when gunshots erupted at this mall. Another nine hurt after a shooting in a club run out of this home. In Pittsburgh, two 17-year-olds were killed and 10 wounded after more than 100 rounds were fired inside a packed underage party early Sunday morning. Scott Schubert is a Pittsburgh police chief. How would you characterize this kind of violence? Senseless. I mean, there's no need for this. Uh, it's just, it's, it breaks your heart when you start thinking about what happened in Pittsburgh. But um, it seems like every day you just, you, you look and you see it's happening somewhere else. In the first four months of the year, there have been 144 mass shootings. Among them, New York City subway shooting. Six killed and 12 wounded in downtown Sacramento. Two dead in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. 10 shot on spring break in Dallas. The number two official at the ATF told us guns used by criminals are being modified and turned into fully automatic weapons. We haven't seen so many machine guns used in crimes since prohibition. These so-called ghost guns have no registration number, meaning there is no way to trace them back to the original owner. You got bullets right here. The FBI and police searching this townhouse in Buffalo found a ghost gun tied to a triple shooting. Another pressing issue for law enforcement is the rising number of juveniles committing gun crimes, many of whom have been previously arrested. You know, we see sometimes it's the same person over and over again, and, and that could be frustrating. It's frustrating for us, it's frustrating for the community, and it's frustrating for the victims uh, who were injured in these assaults. Local police chiefs are blaming the court system for releasing too many violent criminals and setting low bonds in response. Some court systems have called those allegations speculation. During the interview with us today, when asked about rising crime, 
Pittsburgh's police chief told us that he believes that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Oh, Laura. Jeff Begays, thank you. Well, there are tragic new details tonight in the investigation into a 14-year-old boy's fatal fall last month from an amusement park ride in Orlando, Florida. We get more from CBS's Manuel Bohorkas. This report confirmed our department's findings that the operator of the Orlando drop tower made manual adjustments to the ride, resulting in it being unsafe. A forensic investigation into what led to the death of 14-year-old Tyree Sampson last month on the Orlando Freefall Ride highlights a sensor on the ride's harnesses that signals when the gap below the harness is near three inches, what the report calls normal. It says the sensor on Sampson's seat was manually loosened, adjusted, and tightened to allow a restraint opening of near seven inches, which may have grown to as much as 10 inches as the ride's 70-mile-per-hour drop slowed and Samson slipped out. These misadjustments allow the safety lights to illuminate, improperly satisfying the ride's electronic safety mechanisms that allow the ride to operate. Investigators also said the manufacturer's maximum weight for the 400-foot freefall ride was 250 pounds, and Samson, an eighth-grade football standout from Missouri, weighed more than 300 pounds. My understanding, it was seat one and seat two only that were adjusted and presumably to allow for larger riders, which should not have happened based on the manufacturer's guidelines. The ride remains closed. An attorney for the ride's owner, Slingshot Group, said in a statement that it's fully cooperated with investigators and that the company followed all procedures, protocols, and safety measures provided by the ride's manufacturer. Nora? Manny Bohorquez, thank you. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Tonight, the New York City Police Department is looking for the killer of a woman whose body was found inside a duffel bag blocks from her home in Queens. The NYPD today searched the family's garage and left with evidence. Police sources tell WCBS the 51-year-old mother of two was stabbed more than 50 times and suffered blunt force trauma. The U.S. Postal Service said today it is slowing delivery times for nearly a third of all first-class packages as part of its effort to lower costs and reduce its reliance on air transportation. Instead, it will use more trains and trucks. The new policy scheduled to go into effect May 1st will add up to one or two days for some packages traveling long distances. Most package delivery times will be unaffected. The Boston Marathon is always a special day for hundreds of thousands of runners and spectators from all around the world. One of this year's inspiring stories is Adrian Haslett, who lost her leg in the 2013 bombing attack. The former professional ballroom dancer is the epitome of Boston Strong. This is also the 50th anniversary since women were officially allowed to compete, a historical moment honored by many women who ran today. Here's CBS's Nancy Chen. 75-year-old Val Roboszewski isn't just taking on the Boston Marathon. 
she's revisiting a trail she helped blaze as one of the first eight women officially allowed into the race. Pretty crazy to think of 50 years ago, eight people standing on the line, and here we are with thousands of women. Why weren't women allowed to run in the Boston Marathon before 1972? Part of it was just a social convention. It wasn't good for women to sweat. It wasn't good for women to have big muscles. It wasn't good for women to be strong. There, that's a good one right there, yeah. Before 1972, only men could compete, though a few women did crash the race. So those first eight understood what was at stake. It was sort of thick in the air that nobody walks, nobody drops out for sure. They all finished. Today, Rogoszewski tackled the course once again, this time with her daughters. More and more, I really see my mom made change for, made history. My mom made history. Now, more than 10,000 are following in her footsteps. So I'm just thinking about, yeah, the cycle of life, and it's almost like handing the baton to them. And it makes me feel very, very good. Nancy Chen, CBS News, Boston. <laughs> Women are the strongest people I know. Congratulations. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, our climate change series, Earth 365 takes a look at what's being done to prevent one major American city from drowning due to rising sea levels. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget you can set that DVR and watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell here in our nation's capital. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.